Hey everyone, this is Chris and Sandy Benton with the Chris and Sandy Show, where we get up close and personal with some amazing rising artists. And as I say on every episode, we've got a great show for you today because we always do. We got Kendall Conrad coming on, and she actually did a Facebook Live takeover on our New Country Buzz not long ago, and she did a really great job on that. So I think you're going to love her. Um, so Kendall, are you here? I am here. Thank you so much. <laughs> Well, uh, well, I'm on here. She, she's already down for a nap. So. Oh, okay. Good. Yeah. Okay. She's out. Yeah. Hi. She's settled. Yeah. Hi. <laughs> yeah. You never know where our show's going to go. You really don't. Never know. It's real. I'll say it here. I mean, that's the thing that I always wanted was when we did the show is we wanted to stay authentic because, again, we're real yeah. people living real lives, just like the artists we bring on and you know, and we're going to talk about some of the good times y'all go through, some of the bad times y'all go through, because we want the audience to realize this is rawness here. So as we get started, tell us a little bit about who you are, where you're from, and a little brief overview about you. Oh, a brief overview. Hmm. Okay, so my name is Kendall Conrad, and it's uh, Kendall with one L, Conrad with a C. Uh, I'm from Pottstown, Pennsylvania, and I'm a pop country singer-songwriter. So there's my my brief overview. Is that too brief? <laughs> that was a little briefer than I expected. <laughs> yeah. Just, a little, just a, a little small history, you know, a couple minutes, one or two minute history of you. Because, you know, one thing that we try to do on the show is um, we, yes, we'll talk about music, but we'd rather talk about the person. Mm. Okay, um, brief history. See, I I can't do anything brief. So I'm I'm um, I'm like I'm a storyteller, so I love telling stories. So anything I I feel like brief stories are are hard to do. Um, Okay, so uh, from Pottstown, Pennsylvania, um, grew up kind of uh, in the suburbs and um, had chickens and my own horse and all of that. And uh, used to take my boombox out to the barn and karaoke for the farm animals. That's kind of how I got my start. Um, started out singing Celine Dion, Mariah Carey, Whitney Houston, like loving the big, um, the big '90s divas. Um, I loved all of them, and so that's kind of how <laughs> I started. Now I saw yeah. Taylor Swift singing, oh, wow. playing guitar, performing her own song on mm-hmm. I think it was Nashville star and i was like oh my god country music i need to play guitar i need to get into this um and literally just embedded myself in the genre and listened to everything mm-hmm. taught myself how to play guitar taught myself how to write songs oh, wow. um yeah so now my all-time favorite country singer is reba um i love reba she's amazing oh, she's awesome. um yeah she's a mogul um, so that's kind of how I found, how I got started and how I found country music. That's really cool. Now, if if you were right now in front of Reba, what would be your first question to her? My first question. Reba, I have a song I wrote for you called Country Queen. Will you listen to it? <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> that's oh, awesome. And see, and see – when, when I can tell when an artist really uh, looks up to somebody, so I usually I, I like to ask that question just to see what where they would go. I like that though. Hmm. I didn't, didn't know that you had a um, song dedicated kind of to her. So I come up and listen to that. Yeah, I think it's on. 
YouTube. I filmed the video. This like my mom filmed me on her phone, and it's me in the back of my dad's Ford um, with a tailgate down, singing this song, <laughs> "Country Queen," and it's got. I forget how many plays it has now. It has like 20,000 views or something on it. So oh, wow. it did pretty well. Yeah, and I even I have a demo of that song that I recorded. Um, so <laughs> it's it's ready to pitch to Reva whenever she wants to hear it. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, before we really dig deep, I always like to go a little light on some questions. So what are some hobbies you like to do outside of music? Um, I like to watch horror movies i like to play video games and i do consider this a hobby i like to go out to eat so i like to pick um i'm very like adventurous with food so i like to pick weird um food choices that i wouldn't normally eat and then i like to pick different Mm -hmm. restaurants that i haven't tried like last week i tried an elk burger and it was really good wow that's so that's what really I do cool. in my free time. Now, don't use that. Don't use the restaurant thing as as a way to answer the next question. Do something other than that because I think you'd probably answer that with that. But what is something quirky about you? Oh, something quirky. Hmm. Because my first thought is the restaurant thing. And I'm like, oh, she. I was like, well, I want something different. These are, <laughs> now. These are some interesting. No, yeah, these are some interesting questions. Something quirky about me. Um, this is really bizarre. I don't know why this just popped into my head, but I'm like, <laughs> I'm cold 95% of the time. Like I'm oh, always wow. cold. And, um, usually I'll walk around the house like in a huge blanket and everyone gets mad at me because they, <laughs> they hate looking at me in this blanket. I'm like, I don't care. I'm freezing. Um, so I'm always like bundled up. I don't know if that's quirky. That popped into my head, and this is this is a food related thing, but not restaurant related. Um, mm-hmm. I am obsessed with pancakes. Oh wow! <laughs> so that's maybe that's quirky. One. See, I wouldn't and, consider that quirky. That's just cool. That makes me cool. That's one of our favorite questions because we never know where where people are going to go get with the that best question. Answers to that one. Yeah, but Esten, you know. I, we should. We could probably write a book on all the answers that we've got. <laughs> we could. Oh, I bet. <laughs> Maybe we I should bet. do that. <laughs> <clears throat> so those, those are so my two what age, <laughs> So at what age did you know that as you were trying to chase a small dream that you you know you know what this can be a career? Um, uh, like always. Mm-hmm. I don't think I ever oh, well. made a conscious was like, oh, this is this is the thing for me. I just, I don't mm-hmm. know why. I just always assumed <laughs> that that was what I was going to do. And it was never really <laughs> um, a distant, like, again, the, my, my big dream is to play, like, sold-out stadiums. That's a big mm-hmm. dream or a big goal. Yeah. Um, but the whole, you know, I'm going to, my job is going to be to play music and I'm going to make money at it where I don't need another job. Um that was never like a distant like dream for me. I always was mm-hmm. just like, that's what I'm going to do, uh, which is, I don't even know why I don't like, I don't know why I thought that, but um, I thought that from when I was really little, I never thought that it was going to be hard or mm-hmm. impossible or um, that it's like a luxury to be able to mm-hmm. make money off of music 
for a lot of people, um, and that I'm really mm-hmm. lucky to be able to do that. And when I was a kid, I never – that never occurred to me that, like, I wouldn't. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, I love that. Yeah, so I don't know. Yeah, so there's never, like, <laughs> a really starting point. Mm-hmm. I, I graduated high school and, like, gigged in high school and made money in high school doing it. Um, my dad would help me set up in the early stages and carry the heavy speakers and all that, and that's all that's all I ever did. That is really cool. You know, again, sometimes you never know where that answer is going to go, but sometimes people have a certain age where they know, you know, what this is when I, it clicked, and others are like mm. you where they're like, I just always knew. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. <clears throat> So what are some influences that, you know, I know you said Reba is a big influence. Are there any influences that's influenced you through your music career that would surprise people? Um, that would surprise people. Hmm. I'm trying to and think. So we've had people say Eminem and people like, you know, cause you'd never put that together. Oh, they're big country people, but Eminem influenced them. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was in the, I guess it wasn't um, completely punk. It was like a pop mm-hmm. punk. Um, oh, so wow. it was like, yeah, it was like we we the kings, all time low. Um, there's a bunch more that I listened to that was like pop punk. Um, even some mm-hmm. of the early Paramore stuff maybe was pop punk. Um, but I was really like I used to wear band T-shirts to school and like Chucks and that kind of thing mm-hmm. um, when I was like 16. So that was a phase that I went through um, that maybe people would be surprised to know, but it's, it's funny because I still listen to some of those songs from when I was in high school. They're, they're still mm-hmm. good. My style has changed, but those songs remain golden. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, with us, with the whole new country buzz and all that, we actually originally launched this whole, whole thing back in 2014 and we ended up shutting it down in 2015. It just got too much, and I regretted that for three years. I mm. mean, it was a it was like a piece of me died those three years. Mm. And um, in fact, before we shut it down, we even interviewed Kelsey Ballerini before everybody knew who she was. So that was pretty cool. Amazing. But mm-hmm. um, but I remember end of 2018, I told Sandy, I was like, you know. I feel like something's missing here. We we need to relaunch New Country Buzz and finish what we started because we made such great friends in the music industry. It seemed like Nashville was really loving us and all that. So we're like, you know what? We we got to finish. I feel like there's a hole missing. And mm-hmm. me knowing, because you know, a lot of times people will think about quitting and all that, and they don't realize that if they if you if music's in you and you ever quit, it will drive you insane. I've learned that one, and that's kind of what drives me now because I've always been the type of person that wants to um, – that doesn't want to look back and say what if, and that's what I did those mm. three years. So that really drives me is not to have to say what if. What drives you? What drives me? Um, it's not money, and it's not fame. I think what drives me is being successful in, in, in and of itself. So I mm. enjoy I enjoy setting goals and then doing it. I like just just accomplishing things. Um, so like when I get super stressed out and anxious, mm-hmm. I wind up not necessarily cleaning. I like to organize. 
Like I'll alphabetize mm-hmm. my bookshelf. And it's like, great, that was a success, and then I feel good about myself. So I think it's just for me, um, I'm a perfectionist and um, overachiever in, in school and that kind of thing, and I think I just like, I like being good at stuff. Um, <laughs> so that's just my thing. So um, I set goals for myself. Like mm-hmm. uh, this year I wanted to put out my next single, which I, I just did, called Bodyguard. Um, mm-hmm. And I just I set the goal, and I did it. Um, and I have a ton of goals that I haven't accomplished yet, um, mm-hmm. but I, I hope to, and I'm working towards it. So, and that drives me that, that will to, to want to be successful, which is kind of weird. <laughs> now, since you talk about goals and all that, what's the craziest goal you've set that you actually accomplished? craziest goal okay this is really creepy and it's a true story (laughs) okay this is so true so about three months i think it was like three months before i got to sing on stage with keith urban at music fest Mm -hmm. in bethlehem pennsylvania i sang we were us with him live on stage it was amazing and magical and he is the best um like three months before i did an interview kind of like this, mm-hmm. and they asked me, who mm-hmm. is your dream duet? And I said, Keith Urban. And oh, wow. I, this is, bef- yeah, and I didn't even, like, I, I, I had no idea that that was going to happen three months later. Um, you know, he just posted something on his Facebook page and was like, submit videos, we're looking for someone to sing with me um, at, yeah. at Music Fest in Bethlehem. And I covered, I sent in my cover of the song, mm-hmm. And, like, his management called me, and, and it was, like, two days before the show. And I had no idea that any of that was going to happen, and <laughs> I literally wow. put it out into the universe three there months before. And it, yeah, <laughs> and it still creeps me out. Like, I don't know. It was, it was just weird. Like, I remember is- it. I'm like, whoa. Uh-huh. So, yeah, that's the craziest <laughs> that's the, singing. I I'm going to sing with Keith Urban, and three months later <laughs> and I then did it. <laughs> and, and, you know, that I, you know, I, I hope you're gonna rub off on us because I keep preaching that we're gonna, we're gonna interview Blake Shelton, we're gonna interview Carrie Underwood, and we're gonna interview Gabby Barrett. Those are my three like big top ones I want to interview. I've opened for Blake, <laughs> so maybe that'll help. Oh, uh, there we go. Oh. He's really cool. He's super tall. You need a tweet. Yeah. You should tweet him and say you need to go on this show. Get your people to contact his people. <laughs> <laughs> you know, at that when they're that big, they just they don't. Not that they don't want to, but I just think they have so many different hands in the pot with, you yeah. know, someone booking his yeah booking his. TV appearances versus someone who books mm-hmm. his tour support. Versus, like, mm-hmm. He has so many people. They have so many people at that point that work for them. I don't even know who, mm-hmm. like, you would even contact a press person or this person, yeah. a publicist. It's like there's so many different people. It's, and it's so almost I don't even, always I don't, the press people. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it comes to booking for the show, um, in most cases it's the press people. What, what we have found, like I've, I've actually reached out to a lot of bigger artists and we ain't mm-hmm. got one yet, but we're, but we've got one that's supposed to come on in two months. I can't say who yet because it ain't a done deal, but it looks like we may yeah. get her. Um, <laughs> Ooh, but uh-huh. I'm excited well, good about luck. that. But, but you do, <laughs> but you and but you still have to um, reach out to the press people in most cases from what we've mm-hmm. seen, and mm-hmm. and usually the press people will then um, 
reply back with tagging other people that need to be involved in that decision. So, I mean, we've oh, been, okay. I, I've gotten the message back where there's like three or four different people within that and says, okay, uh-huh. everybody is here now. <laughs> <laughs> That's so. so funny because I know exactly what you mean because I've done the same thing. It's like you're on an email chain of like, thanks, thanks for passing me along. Thanks for passing me along. And you've been passed along to like five different people before you get to who you're actually supposed to talk to. So I know exactly yeah. what you mean. So when you look back on your career so far, now this would be outside of what you just talked about with the Keith, Keith Urban. Of course, this would that would be one of them on this. But when you look when you look back of your career so far, what are some moments where you're like, "Wow, I got to do that." Hmm. Other than the Keith Urban thing, um, probably opening for Blake Shelton. That was pretty huge. There was eighteen thousand people there. Yeah. Wow. That was, oh, wow. That was, was crazy. that your biggest audience? Um, yeah, definitely. What was My that biggest like? Audience... What was it like when you when you walked out there? What was when you walked out on that stage and you looked over the crowd? What was going through your mind at that moment? At that moment, honestly, what was going through my mind was, <laughs> "Wow, I I get to play for all of these people." <laughs> like that's what was going through my head. I wasn't nervous at all. Um, I was just like, wow, I have hopefully an awesome set plan that they're all going to love. And I get to reach 18,000 people right now. Um, And I can't wait. That's, that's definitely what I was thinking. Um, It was (laughs) like, it was the coolest show ever. And in the the day wound up being perfect. Um, It was perfect weather because it was, it was outside at the Dick Sporting mm. Goods Open, and they set up the stage oh, on the wow. golf green. Mm-hmm. And there wound up being, like, I think, like, a 30-minute delay because everyone was watching these thunderclouds, and I was like, oh, no, I got this huge gig, and it's going to be, like, canceled. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, but the storm wound up blowing over, and I, I got to, oh, you know, wow. the show went on. Yeah, and it was pretty amazing. So that was, that was one of those, <laughs> wow, I, I get to be here moments. Any others that kind of just stand out? Mm, Well, this stands out because it was one of the last coolest things I got to do before the shutdown, um, which Mm -hmm. was... That means a lot. Yes. Yeah, it does. (laughs) I hang on on to that memory. Um, (laughs) I got to sing the national anthem for the Philadelphia Phillies spring training in Florida. And that was amazing because it was like sold out there was a ton Mm. of people and then they played my single leader of the pack so like i forget how many people were in that stadium like nine thousand people were forced to listen to my song yeah (laughs) i love that they were forced to listen i I wanted to like go to people and be like that's my this is my song that's playing right now um and it was like (laughs) amazing so that was pretty cool <clears throat> now, I like to flip the script at this point. You know, a lot of people when they see artists like you, they see like like Blake, they see Miranda, they see the glory, they see all the glory, but they see no grind. And pe- mm-hmm. and people don't really get that there is another side, a rough, tough side, because you got to have thick skin to make it in any in, at any level in music. And a lot of people don't really get that. And so I'm gonna tell a little story of where I want this to go, and then we'll talk about that. Back in okay. 2014, we interviewed Allison Steele from Two Steel Girls, 
And at that time, they were full-time, her and her daughter, with music. One of the questions I asked her was, what advice would you give an up-and-coming artist? She said, this is going to sound funny coming from someone full-time, but if your heart will allow you to do anything outside of music, go do that and just keep music as a hobby. She goes, once you want to make it a career, it's a game changer because you have to think different. You have to do different. You have to be different. She goes, and you can have a bad day. And it doesn't matter how bad that day is. It could be the worst day of your life, but if you've got a gig tonight, you've you got to play like there is no bad day. She, goes, mm-hmm. she said the sacrifices they have to make, the whole family, not just them, but the whole family has to sacrifice. She said that um, – and she went on to talk about it, it's just – it's rough. You know, that she goes, yes, this is our passion. We love what we do, but there are days that we don't like what we do, but we have to do it anyway because it's our job, not just our passion now. She says, but if your heart will not allow you to do anything outside of music, then go all in because the only way those kind of sacrifices will ever be worth it. What do you think of what Mm. she said? And let's go there a little bit. Hmm. I will. I agree with her. Um, It's (coughs) definitely, uh, it's easier for someone like me mm-hmm. because I am um I'm like a loner and I always have <laughs> been um I'm not a socialite I'm not a social butterfly mm-hmm. I'm very introverted and so it is a lonely thing, business It is it's so lonely it's so yeah it it can be <laughs> most of the time um but uh so it's it's easier for me to give up my weekends um, to mm. play gigs because I would rather be playing gigs. I don't. I <laughs> wouldn't prefer to be at a club or a party. Um, I would prefer to be playing music somewhere. So mm-hmm. for me, I agree with her 100%. But at mm. the same time, for me, it has never felt like a sacrifice or a hardship yeah. because I feel like I was kind of built for this kind of lifestyle. This, yeah. Yeah. For the whole, the the gigging, the late nights, the, you know, the gigs, not necessarily this, but like if you get a great gig on Christmas Eve, will your family understand um, if it pays really well? And like stuff like that, you you play on holidays, Mm -hmm. you play like all sorts of stuff. So for me, um, it's it's a, it would, yes, yeah. So it's it's never been hard for me to be like, (laughs) "Hmm, do I want to go out with uh, friends to a club or do I want to play um, this cocktail hour at this super swanky hotel, and I'm like, I'm gonna play at the hotel, um, and it's never really been like um, a problem or an issue or decision to make for me. Yeah. Um, but that's easy because, again, like I said, I'm I'm super quiet, and uh, I wouldn't choose to do anything else anyway. So, which is kind of what she said. Yeah, exactly. And you know, I remember when we interviewed Carlene Carter, she she talked about this issue about this. She goes, "This is the only life she ever knew," because of course, when she was growing up, her parents were in, you know singers. So she said, she said her birthdays were never celebrated at home. They were always celebrated on the road. Mm. That's all she ever knew. Hmm. That's interesting. <clears throat> you know. <laughs> You know, something to think about that when you get married down the road and have kids and all that, and you're building this life, they're, they're going to see life different than a lot of people, which sometimes can be bad, but I think it gives them a lot broader view of things sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's definitely a lifestyle. 
It's a whole different mm-hmm. way of living. Mhm. For sure. <clears throat> so what's been your favorite venue to play so far? My favorite venue. Hmm. My favorite venue. I really like playing Music Fest in Bethlehem. Um and that was where I played with Keith. Oh, right. But um oh, well. they have a Martin yeah, they have a Martin guitar stage and I play mm-hmm. Martin and um they set it up inside where they ha where they show the independent films at this venue. Mm-hmm. And so like you're playing kind of in this theater and it's like a it's a pretty decent sized space but it's also intimate mm-hmm. at the same time yeah. and I'm I do all I try to do all original music um and it is kind of like a listening room so that's that's one of my favorite venues to play but honestly I don't think I can pick <laughs> like there's <laughs> like I love playing there's some great uh restaurants locally that don't mm-hmm. pack a lot of people but I love playing mm-hmm. So it's more intimate. Um, so, yeah, and so it just, you know, it depends. And there are some places that, like the Blake Shelton gig, well, that venue was amazing, but I'm not playing there every day. So um, <laughs> that I'm not, you know, it, it's not really on my schedule uh, yeah. to be consistent there. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's it just, it depends. I played a lot of different, a lot of different gigs. And then, mm-hmm. you know, singing for the, the sporting events, um, just mm-hmm. singing pre-shows. For like I've done the Lehigh Valley Phantoms, I've you know stuff like that. That's a whole different kind of crowd, um, and I try not to do any down tempo songs for that because you're kind of like, right. you know, like a like a pep rally for the game, mm-hmm. and it's a sporting event, and everyone's really jazzed to be there. So um, it just it depends on the on the event on the venue, um, yeah, and my mood. <laughs> <laughs> so what's been one of your most embarrassing moments on stage? Um, this was not a music related stage mm-hmm. event, but I was um I was cast in this production of Noises Off um at college or Sinus College and it was like a couple days into the run and mm-hmm. I was in these like really high stiletto heels and I guess because it's like a very it's a farce and it's very physical. It's physical comedy. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of um, like the set was like a, a double decker, like inside of a house. So we had to go up and down <laughs> the stairs and there's oh, a lot wow. of slamming doors. Um, it's like, it's a great, it's a great play. But, um, so mm. I guess I was like sweating in these shoes for like days. And so the shoes got a little big on me, these heels. And I was mm-hmm. coming down the stairs. It's an, it's an entire flight of stairs. I must like my oh, foot wow. slipped out. I tripped and fell and I like tumbled Oh, wow. down an entire flight of stairs um, in front of a sold-out crowd at Ursinus. And, um, oh, God. And, yeah, and I was I was not hurt at all, but yeah, well, thankfully, good. I don't know how yeah, I didn't twist anything. But um, Your pride was probably hurt a little bit at that point. Exactly. I was so embarrassed. I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe that happened. But at the same time, people, because it was such a physical comedy, I feel like a uh-huh. couple people weren't. They weren't sure if it was supposed to happen because at one point well, I got my face, yeah, like at one point I got my yeah. face slammed in a door, and that was like uh-huh. in the script that I got my face slammed in the door. Um, so you could have played right so into it. I tried to, but I feel like uh-huh. my face was beat red, so I don't know if that, <laughs> I have no idea. I probably looked embarrassed, um, but yeah, I tried to play it off like it was part of the, uh, 
like I meant to fall down those stairs, but yeah. that was so bad. It was so awful. I oh love that. Uh, I love that. You know, that's, you know, I think my most embarrassing moment at, was my very first speech that I had to give. Um, I learned two valuable lessons um, about speaking. One is you don't change what you're going to say the day of the speech. Big lesson. Okay. Number two. Okay. Uh oh. You don't make your first. You don't make your first speech in front of three hundred people. You know, it's this my, this first time I've ever got. Now, granted, it was only five minutes long, so it's not like it was big. You know, I you know it was just they wanted three people to kind of get up there and just speak. And we we were helping launch a young professionals group here in Savannah. And I remember the day of, I had the notes in my hand. It was my turn. I go to get up there. And I can't read my notes because my hand was shaking. <gasps> I mean, the whole paper was shaking. I, I mean, because uh, uh, I thought, what, what, how, you know, it's only five minutes. What could possibly go wrong? So, so, I, the, so they had a podium, and I'm a short guy, and it still only came to my way because I thought, well, I'll put it on the podium. I put it there, and I was like, okay, um, the lights are dim, and the podium's to my waist. That ain't gonna work either. Oh my god. <laughs> um, so I was like, well, it is parts of my story. I know my story. I'll wing it. Only problem, I open my mouth and nothing comes out. Literally, mm. nothing. Yeah. I mean, I am literally gasping for air to get even a syllable out, much less a word. Oh and Sandy's on the front row, like, freaking, because she told me later, she goes, I, I didn't know what to do. I'm, I'm like, I want to help yeah, you. Yeah, I wish I could. Right. Yeah. I didn't know what to do. So what happened? And the only, well, the only thing I could think of at that point is I knew this was the, a defining moment in my life. Because I knew if I walked off, I'd probably never do anything with speaking ever again. That would, it just would never mm. happen. Mm-hmm. So I had to. I knew I had to fight through it, and these poor people had to sit, suffer for about a minute, minute and fifteen seconds. And I'm yeah, still gasping. I'm, I'm, surprised I'm surprised they didn't. <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised. <laughs> yeah. But finally, I got to the point, and I thought I, I would say the first thing that pops in my head, and I was like, I hope it's going to be good. <laughs> and I took a deep breath, and I just spit out, "If y'all get nothing else out of this, at least you get a good laugh." They all laughed. I calmed down and nailed the rest. Good. That's amazing. So wait, did you wind up winging it, or did you read the paper? I winged. Oh, I winged it the rest of the way. Okay. Yeah. Just, just that you know, and something I did learn from there is I had my speech written out. That was another big lesson. So I can't do that. If I when I give speeches, I got to have bullet points. And and just know what I'm going to talk about around those bullet points. If I if I, re, I cannot read it, it won't. It does mm. that type of speaking doesn't work for me. So it's so, hard you know, to do. So, <laughs> yeah. You know, so teleprompter stuff would never work for me. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> you know, just like the show. You know, I never know what's going to be said on it. I have a base set of questions that I ask. I have a few. I have a base set of stories I tell and. Most shows, and the you know, if there's a place that I feel that that little story about the about my speaking thing happen can be told, mm-hmm. I tell it. You know, but it's all winged. But it's, again, it's all winged except for the few questions that I know for sure. And mm-hmm. that's the, that's the way I have to run everything. You know, I can't I can't say I'm going to do this 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 this. I'll I'll mess up. But I feel like <laughs> even 
like doing that or when people do mm-hmm. that, there is some mm-hmm. stuff that like you can't follow it exactly. Like stuff happens. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> you never know, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, right. not yeah. So as we go to the next half of the show, um, we're going to take a quick break, commercial break, and then I'm going to play your song Bodyguard, and we're going to come talk about that. How's that sound? Let's do it. All right. Hey, everyone. We have partnered with another great podcast called The Sports Guys Podcast. You can find them over at thesportsguyspodcast.com. The Sports Guys Podcast is a sports and country music podcast hosted by Brandon, Nick, and Andy. They cover sports on a state, regional, and national level with many of the biggest names in the sports industry. The Sports Guys also host a Backstage Pass music segment where they go behind the scenes and talk with some of the biggest artists in country music, everything from Texas country, Americana, as well as Nashville artists. The Backstage Pass provides a more in-depth look at the musicians' rise in music as they talk about their career and tell stories about their music to share with their fans. Many of the same guests will be appearing on our show as well. Again, you can find them over at thesportsguyspodcast.com. It's a grand slam of sports and music. Please go over and check them out. I'm 
us home. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's it's so, uh it's a big song. <laughs> so where the you know, what inspired that song? What's the story behind that? Um, so that one started with the lyric. Um I I kind of thought about the word bodyguard and um, Mm -hmm. what that means literally. It's someone who stands in front of you and guards your body from and protects you. And Mm -hmm. I Mm -hmm. I thought, you know, if you took that literally, you know, and I sang it to this guy who was a jerk and I was like, you promised Mm -hmm. to be there for me and Mm -hmm. be my bodyguard and you Mm -hmm. wound up, instead of guarding my body, you broke it. Like you broke my heart. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. which is the, the line before the hook. So um, I like to to take, like, idioms and phrases and things and kind of turn them on their head and, and take them literally. So um, yeah. that's the I that's how that song started. I had that idea. And then in the chorus, I, I wanted to use, like, you were supposed to dry my eyes, and I, I picked different parts of the body that, you know, you were supposed to look <laughs> after and you did not. Mm-hmm. You were supposed to, you know, keep wow. me safe in your arms. You didn't do that either. Um, so that's, that's how the song really started. And then I, when I came up with that lyric, I just really wanted it to be, um, like an old school nineties power ballad. Um, mm-hmm. that's the feel that I wanted for it just cause that's, I don't know. I just, I heard that with that lyric. Um, but it, it did start with the lyric. So that's, that's how that song came about. Yeah, that's like talking about the protection thing. I remember many times on Facebook, I'd, I'll post to husbands that, you're, you know, a lot of times husbands think their job is to provide. And mm. I'm always like, no, your job may be to provide, but it's also to protect your wife's heart at all costs. Interesting. That's, a, that's <clears throat> awesome. I never really thought of that. But, yeah, thank but you're right. And, and, and sometimes as a man, maybe some things are said that shouldn't be said. But your job still, and I think God will judge us harsh, harsher than he will the woman, still God brought that woman into my life, Sandy. So mm-hmm. my job is to guard her heart even from me sometimes. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's, that's deep. We just got deep right here. <laughs> I love that. You know, yeah, because yeah, there's again, a line in the, yeah. uh, in the second verse and where it's like, mm-hmm. You said you would take a bullet for me, but you wound you wound up being the bullet. Um, wow, I like and that's, that. That's, yeah, that's yeah, love that. Yes, and so that's kind of the the whole crux of the song is on that one line. Um, so yeah, mm-hmm. I I totally agree with you. I agree with you on that. And I remember many times you hear people talk about on Facebook they would die for their family. It's like, well, how about living for your family? Mm. Hmm. Wow. Cause, you know, so, you know, so many times, you know, comes home, and and again, I know that we're in this dual income family in most cases nowadays, but it's not always the case. Um, but mm-hmm. the guy comes home, and he's got to grab that beer and sit in a recliner, and and all he does is sit the rest of the evening in front of a TV. Like mm-hmm. that's not living, not to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, living mm-hmm. is going enjoying life, finding something that you and your spouse, if you're married. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're not married, just don't. Then you go find something for you. But I think <laughs> that 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 as a married couple, the two are supposed to find some type of shared vision that they can build together a legacy on, and that's what we're trying to do with this show. Mm. Wow, that was yes. that was a perfect. Did you plan that? 
No, I didn't. <laughs> that little wrap up, that was amazing. <laughs> but yeah, like I, I, said, I hear yeah, you completely. I just try to go with wherever, whatever I feel like comes in my mind when we're talking. Because again, you know, I don't want every show to be exact same, but I want it to be at least the same foundation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One hundred percent. So one thing I like to do on the show is, and I think a lot of people miss this, is you know, your fans will see you, but they don't see your PR people, your managers, your producers. They don't hear anything about them, almost never, uh, on interviews. One of mm-hmm. my things I like to do is ha- let you take a couple minutes is to introduce some of your team members. That ha- because we both know that without your team, you can't do what you do. They're just as big of a part, if not more part, to help you do what you need to do so that you can give your all to your music. So tell us mm-hmm. a little bit about who's behind you. All right. Well, number one who's behind me on my team is my mom. Um, yeah, my good. mom is almost like, um, gosh, I mean, she's my mom. She's my friend. She's my manager. <clears throat> she's my booking agent. <laughs> like, oh, well. you know, she's, <laughs> she's catering. She's um, transportation <laughs> sometimes. You know, she, mm-hmm. if you have to drive eight hours. Mom takes the wheel for half the time, like stuff like that. She's like, I couldn't. Some days I think I couldn't really do this without her. Um, oh, wow. I don't know if I. Yeah, I just I don't know if I could. You know, she's mm-hmm. she co-writes. Um, I think she's co-written every one of my singles. Now that I oh, say wow. that. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So she she writes with me. She yeah she's 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 a constant. So. Mm-hmm. Um, Number number one on my team forever is, is my mom. Um, and, you know, it's funny because when I watch, like, Taylor Swift with her mom mm-hmm. and I know um, Lady Gaga and her dad and Beyonce and her mm-hmm. dad, it seems to be, I don't know, you can, you can really trust your family to be there for you. Yeah. Um, and they live with you and they understand you. Um, mm-hmm. So that's, that for me, I feel like I'm, not only am I doing something right, but it just, it feels right. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's, yeah, she's, she's the backbone of, of my career. Um, and now I've used a, a couple different publicity mm-hmm. firms and publicists. Um, but for this release, I started using, uh, Perkins publicity and they've he's helped awesome. me. I, yeah. And, uh, Trevor hooked us up, right? I think. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I've been using, so it's like, it's not only, it's not only just me, and it goes back to, um, I think, I forget which question we were talking about, but where people don't see kind of the grimy, hard parts of the business, yeah. they kind of just see mm-hmm. you um, dressed up having a ball on stage yep. with Keith Urban, and it's like no one knows uh-huh. the work that it takes to get there. Um, yep. So, yeah, it, it does take a village sometimes. It definitely does. And um, tell us uh I could tell that your mom's a big, 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 big part of this. So, to, and I'm sure that you could probably say an everyday thing here, but tell us a story that kind of stands out to where your mom went above and beyond on something, and that mm. and that was one of the moments you realized, wow, she believes in what I'm doing. Hmm. God. I mean, this sounds lame, but like I see it every day. That's um, why I said that because I, I think I could tell. It's an everyday occurrence. Yeah, but is there I mean, like she, one issue that you would like, one thing you'd like to talk about that she's done. One thing that I like to talk about. 
hmm, sometimes I think she believes in me more than I believe in myself. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, like when I'm really down, she's always mm-hmm. like, you know, this is going to pass. It's just a blip. Like I think we were talking um, before we started mm-hmm. the interview about sometimes it's hour to hour where you're like yeah. flying high and then like you yeah. get a phone call and it all comes crashing down and you're like, what happened? I was literally on top of the world like 60 minutes ago. Can we turn back yep. the clock to 60 minutes ago? Um, but she actually booked the the Blake Shelton gig, the Dick Sporting Goods oh, wow. gig. And to this day, I don't mm. even know how she did that. Um, so that was, that was yeah, that was pretty insane. So um, she's done stuff like that to stuff like, um, I don't know, where where she has to – so I have two younger sisters. And mm-hmm. there, there's been moments where it's like she'll go to, I don't know, my this is like way back in the day when we were younger, but both of my sisters played basketball while I was gigging. And she would go to games and then she'd run over to see my gigs and she would just kind of manage the whole family kind of Mm -hmm. thing. And she made, she made time for everyone. Um, and the fact that she made time for my music and believed in it and was there for me specifically with my music. Um, that was pretty cool. So, but definitely the the Blake Shelton, the Blake Shelton (laughs) booking thing was pretty cool. (laughs) <laughs> and, and you know you're talking about the ups and downs, and that she, you know, sometimes she believes in it more than you. I feel like that with my wife. Um, she's my rock for that because there are many times I'm on that cliff, I'm just ready to jump, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and she has to kind of pull me down. And, and and I'm just not one of them that can do a nine to five nine to five job. That's that's mm. just not me. But there there's sometimes where where I'll get so frustrated. I'm like, well, maybe I should just go get a regular job. And Sandy will tell me, well, when's the last – when in our marriage – we've been married 17 years. Have you had a regular job? Wow. Okay. Um, I get it. It's not, that's not going to happen. <laughs> that's awesome. That is so we've cool. We've done, like, side gig work. We've done everything. We've done different businesses but to stay afloat. I mean, and you know what? One day we're going to have that big breakthrough, and, you know, and this whole show is – you know, we really hope it's the show because – we finally, you know, it's funny. It took us 17 years to figure this out. But you know, when we mm-hmm. first married, my, um, I was wanting to be a motivational speaker. I really felt called that that's what I'm supposed to do is speak out there. And she and we marry, and she, I listen to audio tapes 24/7. Mm-hmm. She listens mm-hmm. to music 24/7. Well, there's a problem mm-hmm. there. Um, wh- wh- what do we do? I mean, we both can't listen to both. Yeah. In the car, so we had to come to an agreement. Oh, that's and I always funny. Joke, <laughs> so I always joke that she brainwashed me in all this music stuff. Um, so we had to come. So you, you've given up the audio tapes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I still love that, but I understand the power of music now and all that. You know, and we yeah. started listening. To, we, we we came to a compromise where we did fifty percent audio, fifty percent music. Just like um, okay. Sandy to this day, when we'll sit there and we'll talk sometimes, and she'll say, you know. If we would have done it her way and had only music, she goes, we still wouldn't be doing what we're doing. She realizes mm. now that it actually took both the audio side to help us grow personally and both the music side to help us get connected hmm. That's to build what mm-hmm. we to almost, this point. And yeah. here it is where I'm getting to still speak on a different platform than I originally thought. So God, mm-hmm. I really feel like God brought us together here 
so I can still do what I love, and she gets to be part of music that she loves, and we can do it under one banner, the Christmas Santa that's Show. That's so cool. It's like fate. <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's, that's just how we feel. It. And, you know, and, you know, you're talking about family and all that. We're a family affair, as I always like to say. And we have a, we have a kind of a third team member we call. We have a, our eight-year-old. We always let him come on and ask one question at this point. We're going to get him on in just a second to ask you a question. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And and you know mm-hmm. when our daughter gets older because she sees one, she's fourteen months or fifteen months today actually. My bad. She just turned fifteen months. Today. All right, here. But, okay, here he is. Here's Christopher. Uh, Hi, Keenan. What's your favorite food? My favorite food. It's got to. It's got to be pancakes. That's my favorite food. <laughs> I figured you was gonna say that. Yeah, and you can eat them really <laughs> any time of day. They work. <laughs> And what's yours, though, Chris? Pizza. Pizza. That's a good uh, one. That's a good he choice. Loves. He could eat it. Eight okay, and bye. All the, he bye. comes and goes quick. <laughs> but he loves that. You know, and when Caitlin he gets a little older, we'll plug her in, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> She'll be part of that, I think it's too. a great idea. That's a great and, idea. And, 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 you know, something I've learned, been taught through the years, is if you want to inspire passion, and purpose into your kids. They got a front row seat to yours. So live yours mm-hmm. out and it will inspire them. Mm-hmm. That's very true. <clears throat> so if you could co-write with anyone, dead or alive, who would it be and what would you want to write about? Ooh, that is a good one. Hmm. I want to say... I almost want to say Max Martin, who is not really a country guy, but Mm -hmm. he's done so many earworm pop songs that I love, and I think Mm -hmm. I could bring the country element, and we (laughs) could write a, yeah, we could write a total smash. Um, I'm not really sure what we would write about, Mm -hmm. but it would be a huge hit song, I'm sure. So and I'm going to say Max Martin. That's awesome. Now, speaking of writing, what song out there that another – and I'm talking about current. Is there is there a song out there that you've heard that you wish you wrote? Hmm. I mean, there's a ton, a ton of great <laughs> songs. You know, my just the one that pops into my head, um, it's this Lady Antebellum song that was released mm-hmm. – I think they put it out last year. Um, what if I never get over you? Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Oh yes, love that song. <laughs> yes, like and I feel that way about that, Sandy. I would never get over. Her. Oh, <laughs> see, it's <laughs> like it's so. It's such a simple phrase, but I mean, even mm-hmm. that bridge of you know, what if I never get closure, and like what yeah. if I never get back all the wasted words I told you, and all, all like, God, it's so good. <laughs> Um, so I, there's, there's probably a ton more, but that's one that, that pops into my head right now is I, I wish I wrote that. It's so good. So I'm about to ask a question and I have a purpose for the way I word it, which I'll explain after I ask it. Um, if you had a magic wand and what you're about to say would 100% come true, where do you want to be in five years? And the reason I'm asking it that way is this past February made five years the five-year anniversary mm-hmm. that we asked that exact same question to Kelsey Ballerini. Her exact words is what she's living today. 
and I'm one of them. And, oh and I like to get let the artists to think, you know, because a lot of times artists think, you know, I could never be a Kelsey. I could never be a Blake. But she had, but before she was Kelsey, even though she, well, she was Kelsey still, but before people knew she was mm-hmm. Kelsey, she still mm-hmm. saw that on our on when we interviewed her. Mm-hmm. She saw clearly. So, you know, so I always like to get the artist to really think on this one a little bit because, you know, I am one of them believe that you've got to have that vision or you might not end up anywhere, you know. Mm. <laughs> so where mm-hmm. where would you be in five years if all bets were off and it would 100% come true? It would 100% come true. I would be on a stadium headlining tour, um, not just the United States. It would be like a mm-hmm. global headlining tour where I'd mm-hmm. play a different city every night not just a club or a theater, I would be like at Gillette Stadium or Lincoln Financial Field. I would play huge shows every night. Um, mm-hmm. that, that, would be, that would be where I want to be in five years. <laughs> I don't that, even that have to think awesome. about it. Yeah, that's always <laughs> been my dream. And that's good that you got there. And that's good. And I kind of figured you would go there because I remember earlier in the show you actually made that comment about one of your big, big dreams. I was like, I bet she's going to go there with that. Yeah, and I want that. I want that more than I want um, a record label or to be on the radio Mm -hmm. or a million Spotify streams or any of that. Like that's that would all be amazing, but that's not the like end game for me. (laughs) Yep, and and the audience singing back your songs to you. Mm Mhm. Yep. For sure. Now, let's say you had a friend of yours. I always like to get specific on questions. Let's say you've got a friend of yours, and this would be pre-COVID advice, so keep that in mind. But you've got a friend, <laughs> and okay. you've heard them sing, him or her sing, and they got some, you could tell they got something special. They're not one of these people that think they can sing. There's a lot of that out there. But they, they really have something special. And let's say they've only played 10, 20 shows so far, so they're really just getting their feet wet. But they've gotten on the stage, and they've looked over the crowd, and they got yeah. what every artist says they get, that stage bug. And they come to you, and they say, Kendall, I feel like I am supposed to do this with the rest of my life. What advice would mm. you give that specific person for th- that will help guide them the next two, three, four years? Oh, my gosh. This is a lot of pressure. <laughs> <laughs> this is a lot of pressure. This this advice. Hmm. What advice would I give them? Hmm. You know, I don't even I don't even know. I'm so bad at giving advice because I think I said this earlier. I just feel like mm-hmm. I have such a strong <clears throat> inner compass mm-hmm. and yeah. I've never needed advice. Um <laughs> so I think maybe number 1 is I think don't ask for advice. Is that good advice? I think don't seek outside, you know, don't seek outside yeah. influence. If I feel like you That's, shouldn't have to. Yeah. And, and, you know, something that was told to me years ago, I mean, I, oh, okay, years ago, we've only been doing the show since January. I'm already thinking years ago. <laughs> okay, I'm speaking it years, year, years ago. I'm, I'm already speaking yeah. it. Our show will be around 5, 10, 20 years. But anyway, um, I remember a friend of mine from Nashville. I asked him what advice would he give us if we start to launch this show. And I think this really goes for anybody, but especially for the creative style. Um, But he said that whatever you do, he said, be and stay 
authentic. He said the reason he said he says you could because he knows we look up to like Bobby Bones and Ty Bentley and all that. He says you could tell every mm. every Bobby Bones joke, every Ty Bentley joke. He says maybe you can even pull it off, but the day's going to come when um, authentic Chris comes out. And when Authentic Chris comes out, whether that's a day down the road, a year down the road, 10 years down the road, you're going to lose every bit of your audience because they were never attracted to you. They were attracted to the right audience. It may be a slower process, but it will be the right audience. Mm, that's good advice. <clears throat> and I've always remembered that. You know? And because that's mm. why, you know, see, some people think that, like, I remember we interviewed Jeff Coffey and, um, and after the show, he shared it, and I, and I, I guess a couple of days later, I went back to his thread mm-hmm. to see if anybody commented on the show. And I remember one comment really stood out, and it, and it said to him, um, interview was awesome, but the host was windy. Now, I had to ask Sandy, <laughs> what does that even mean? I had no Yeah, I'm clue. not sure either. I'm not sure either. Hey, That's strange. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Long-winded. I like to talk. Yeah, I like oh, oh, okay. Intended. I should have just said that. <laughs> that makes more sense than <laughs> <Yeah>. that. <laughs> and when Sandy, said, when Sandy said that to me, I was like, okay, I can live with that. That's, you know, again, this is my authentic self. I like to talk. Now, sometimes can I tone it down some? Probably. <laughs> but for the most part, I like to have, you know, I don't want my sh- our show to be, I ask you a question, you answer. And then I ask you a question. I want it to be a dialogue. I want it to be a conversation where where you leave the show where you feel like, man, I just made two new friends. Where mm. you're like, it, you just felt like a conversation between a couple friends with the world listening in. That's mm-hmm. my goal. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, I felt it. <laughs> and, <laughs> well, that's good. So as we get oh, you know, down to our last question here, um, what is a question that you wish hosts like us would ask, but they kind of never do? Hmm. That I wish you would ask. I don't know. I feel like for for you specifically, Mm -hmm. you asked a lot of interesting things. Um, I like to hear that. So it wasn't necessarily like other interviews that I've done. Um, Mm -hmm. Maybe... I mean, this is a very broad, very vague answer, but um, mm-hmm. there's a, usually there's a lot of, like, um, talking about specific um, career things or events mm-hmm. or gigs or, like, you know, music and stuff. And a lot of, I think, now artistry is about personality, so maybe mm-hmm. more questions about the artist, like, as a person, not music-related, maybe? And that's what we try, and, and see, that's what we've tried to, you know, with our show – you haven't noticed really out of the hour we're here probably 15 minutes is about music the rest is about mm. see so you already and, do that yeah and, and that's and that's kind of the goal you know because again although your music is important person mm-hmm. is more important mm-hmm. yeah well and um i feel like being informed about an artist as a person makes their music better somehow yeah, it does. It makes them more relatable. Mm-hmm. But like, like I yep. told you with um, the whole with our show, you know, we go through the same ups and downs as y'all go through, and so I really feel mm-hmm. like this is maybe God's way of pointing us out to say, look, 
if you're if you're going to make this a career, then we're going to start you at the bottom just like an artist has to, so that when as you grow, you'll be able to relate to the artist better than most hosts. Mm. That's fascinating. And and here we are again because. You know, we don't – many times we don't know where the next dollar is going to come in. We do a bunch of different side gigs, you know, to keep us afloat. And and we've got this great big vision. You know, we want to be like a Bobby Bones show where we have a million mm-hmm. listeners and, you know, a Ty Bentley show. We, we want to be at that level. Now, I won't mm-hmm. give up who I am to get there. Mm-hmm. You know, if I go mm-hmm. do that, I won't do it, you know. <laughs> true. That's true. But, but we do want to be – you know, we want – the show to one day be that broad base and you know and one day we'll be able to look back and say look at all the people at the beginning that gave us that shot to help us get there because every artist that we bring on helps us one step further to get there so as we get to closing here um what's i guess this will be the last question it's kind of came to my mind and i don't and i haven't really asked this much and i kind of wish i would what's a message that you want your um, music to bring to people. Hmm. A message. Yeah, what message through your music do you want to move people with? Hmm. I don't know if I have a conscious <coughs> message mm-hmm. um, that I'm. <laughs> I I think I. But you want to get hope, I'm sure. Um. I don't know if that's at the forefront of my mind. No. <laughs> with my music um i'm more uh you know like i mentioned before i'm an introvert i'm quiet so i think with my music yeah. um i <laughs> try to be strong um there you go. which isn't nec- See, maybe it's a little there. hopeful yeah i just try to be defiant and resilient and strong and those are the things that i tend to write about um even with bodyguard and, even though it's a heartbreak song and, it's kind and of like dig deep into that yeah. You know, as, as as over the next weeks and months, think about that one because I think that's that's so important. So you know, in this day and time with so much going on, I think people are needing some message. Mm-hmm. And not saying that every. I mean, let's face it. You know, the song "Cruise" by Florida Georgia Line. That's just the fun. <laughs> you know, but then but then you go to Luke Bryan's "Drink a Beer." That's a powerful mm-hmm. song. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, uh, mm-hmm. and, and you know, so, yes, we can have the fun songs, too, and I love the fun mm-hmm. songs. But, you know, I think sometimes if you've got a message that you want to portray out there, do it through your music because that's powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, well, my, my whole thing is to be powerful. So maybe that's See? my message. I, it's, I'm unconsciously <laughs> doing go. that. <laughs> you, you just didn't know you're doing it, but you are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All my songs tend to to circulate around that, so it's kind of funny. Yeah, because uh, the song Bodyguard, if you think about it, it's about taking back your power. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So see, one hundred percent. I mean, it's it's a sad, heartbreak song, but like actually not really. And neither the delivery of that song is really mm-hmm. powerful too. So yep. yeah. Yeah. See, we're you've you've helped me discover my message. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> So as we end here, tell everybody how they can reach you. Um, so I think pretty much on everything, it's just my name, Kendall Conrad. Kendall with one L, Conrad with a C. Um, I think my page URL is Kendall Conrad Music. Um, I think I'm on, like, everything but Snapchat. 
think that's cool. And, you, and, you know, we really enjoyed having you on and look forward to having you back down the road. Oh, thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it. All right. We look forward to it and talk to you soon. Great. Sounds good. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye.